this is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 73. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show, and to remind you about the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, which I'll talk about at the tail end of this episode. Now, I did also want to let my listeners know that Google has officially released their own podcasting app for iOS, so you can download the Google Podcast app and search for this podcast on there and play it on that app if you prefer that over the Apple Podcast app on your iOS device. So for this week's episode, I am having the we're having the third appearance by the wonderful and talented model and actress Miss Ellie Cat. She's also a professional geologist, so she's got beauty and brains. And this week we're going to be talking to both her and her partner in adventure Dan about their new adventure YouTube channel where they've been exploring different places in Arizona, their home state. Now they've been to some really cool places, uh, some different mines that they've explored, and they also have some other videos posted on their YouTube channel, which I will put a link to that channel in the show notes for this episode, or you can find it in the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group uh, where I made the announcement about them being on the show this week. So we're going to go ahead and talk to the two of them. And I told him ahead of time, I said, look, if the episode run, uh, runs long, if you got a lot of things you want to talk about, that's perfectly fine. If we end up running too long, that's not a problem. I will just split this up into two episodes. And so it'll either be episode 73, or it could possibly be split up into episodes 73 and 74. So now without further ado, let's join Ellie and Dan from Arizona. Okay, so as I mentioned a moment ago, we're welcoming uh, Ellie and Dan both to the show this time. Ellie's been on the show twice before. She does modeling, she does acting, and she's a geologist. And Dan is her partner in adventures and frequently does her behind-the-scenes videos when she's out on shoot. So welcome to both of you. How are you doing today? Well, thank you, Liam. We're doing great. I'm doing well. You're keeping her out of trouble, right, Dan? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to, anyways. Yeah. Okay, so i got to ask you guys, where did you guys come up with the idea for your your Dan and Ellie's Project Adventures YouTube channel? I really love it, because you guys have been going to some really cool places. So how did this all get started? Well, there's a channel that I watch on YouTube called Evan and Caitlin. And they really remind me of kind of how Dan and I goof off and what we do with stuff. And... We're really into just making things or fixing it ourselves because, I mean, I grew up basically dirt poor, so I learned how to use, like, zip ties and duct tape, like, super early. And so I figured if I can fix it and not have to buy something, I'll just DIY it. But I was a DIYer way before it was popular. So I asked Dan, I was like, hey, do you think you want to start, like, a YouTube channel and we could do things and, you know, show what we do because we go hiking and and do our projects, and he's like, yeah, sure, so. (laughs) We do a lot of exploring anyway, kind of our days off hobbies is going explore stuff. Yeah. So, um, we decided to film our first video, actually, 
uh, when we were both deathly sick, but I was bound and determined to start somewhere, because if you don't start, you never start. So we were going, all right, how do we set this up? We can barely even work the GoPro. We were so sick. But. Yeah, that was January. We were building the uh, enclosed in the patio, and we were dying. <laughs> oh, the Arizona cat room? That's yeah. right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we just had a huge vet bill, and we're like, forget this. This is not going to happen. Our cats don't get along, so let's make something and and make it so we can have our kitties, but have our kitties separate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they don't get along with each other? No. Mm-mm. Oh, that's never good. Yeah. How many, how many cats do you have? Four. Four? That's not too bad. <laughs> No. Is it like is it is it like one cat that's the problem cat, or they all just don't like each two. other? Two. Two of them. stay outside and two stay inside. Ah, okay. So we got two little little hellraisers outside, which they're so sweet if you go like love on them and pet them. But man, you get them around another cat and they turn into like Satan kitty. Oh wow, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is weird because normally they'll end up getting along, but not these two. Mm-mm. Wow. So what's the, is the cat room for the outdoor cats, or so the indoor cats can be outside but protected from the other two? No, it's just the outdoor cats live out there in that room. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah, we, we have another project coming to actually put a tunnel from the cat room into Dan's son's bedroom so that they can have an area where they can still see them and, and come inside, but they'll still be separated from the, the house so they don't get with the other kitties and cause another vet bill. Oh, cool. <laughs> Kitty tunnels. That's right. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh, my goodness. So I was watching um, one of the recent videos that you guys posted a week ago was the Black Pearl Mine. Now, that one was really cool. I was just watching that one earlier today. I got behind on some of my YouTube watching. I try to try to keep up with the channels I have bookmarked, but sometimes I get sidetracked with other things. So I get kind of off track, but this one... Looked really, really cool. Now, this one was an old tungsten mine, right? If yeah, I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure it was a tungsten mine. Yeah. I don't know if they had a secondary mineral, but it was a fairly large tungsten mine. Now, this is near where you guys live? Yeah, it's about, uh, as a crow flies, it's like 10 miles away. The drive is a dirt road, about 15-mile drive. Oh, yeah. So, so it's, us, it's, it's in the country, close. but it's basically like Atlanta. Like anything I want to go to is like 10 miles as a crow flies or an hour and a half by car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by car, you, you have to have, you'd have to have a, a real four-wheel drive, not just like a stock Jeep, but oh, the yeah. last about mile of it is rough. Oh, yeah. I can imagine, especially out in and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not friendly, and of course, any of the rains, they wash out the roads, and so you get these huge, like, I'd say troughs of just, uh, you know, nothing there, where you're like, well, girl, see how this works, and you try to cross it, and so that's where the side-by-side -side came in, actually, so it's really, uh, it was kind of a spur, like, during this whole, like, quarantine everything, I was kind of bored, and... I asked Dan what we could do to, like, include his boys because they go out. We don't include them in the YouTube channel just because some of the laws are a little strict around that. Mm -hmm. So they know that when we're filming, they kind of hang back, which they're cool with, and they know that we're, we have a channel, and they're really supportive of that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how can we do this so that we can all go together without beating your truck up or my Jeep? And so I was like, why don't we get a side-by-side? -side? Dan's like, that's a great idea. So, like... 
Dan's a researcher, and I, I kid you not, like, researcher is something I hate to do. So he finds, like, ten of them in the area. Okay, these are all within our price range. Like, the next day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I just mentioned it. And he's like, well, you wanted one. So <laughs> it was really cool, though. His friend up the street. Yeah, his dad is uh, selling his, so it was easy. We went over, bought my neighbor's dad side by side. <laughs> oh, that makes it convenient. You bet. Yeah. Now, I thought I saw the side-by-side -side in one of the videos. Did you guys add the LED bar light, or was it already on there? It was already on there. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, that'd be handy out where you guys live, because, man, you could go out and just tear up the desert at nighttime with that thing. That'd be a lot well, of fun. Well, yeah, we just added on, like, an, a, an LED whip so that I could have a rainbow-colored whip because of my obsession with rainbows. But <laughs> also, um, we have these side mirrors now that are, like, even brighter than the LED light and we just got like a roof rack for it thing so that we can you know start putting stuff and taking it camping if we need to oh, and like yeah. accessories we need yeah absolutely now I take it Dan must have the big diesel truck right yep. yeah I've got the truck <laughs> yeah because I think it was the racetrack video when I was watching that one uh, I, I saw it look like you guys were in a truck and I recognized the sound of a turbo diesel because <laughs> I, yeah. I have a 96 Loud, GMC Loud, with one yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got an old 96 GMC turbo diesel. It's weird because it's a 1500, but it's got a factory turbo diesel. Like, less than 1% of the 1500s have the diesel in them. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, yeah, but everybody loves it. I've had so many people wanting to buy that off me, and everybody thought it was modified. I'm like, no, pop the hood. All the stickers are there from the factory. It's turbo diesel <laughs> from the factory. It's got the 6.5 huh? uh, Duramax. Yeah, huh. I wish it was four-wheel drive. That would be even better, but... What do you got Yeah. Do? Yeah, so I figured, I knew you had the Jeep, so I figured it must be the Turbo Beast with his. Yeah. <laughs> cool. For sure. All right, so now you guys did a video from when you went in, this was your vacation to Belize, correct? Yeah, yes. last year. Yeah. Last year? Yeah, because I remember when I, one of the interviews I did with Ellie last year, you guys were just getting ready to go on that trip. Yeah, and it, it was phenomenal. Like, it, um, I think... When I was editing that video, I think the total time was over two hours, and then I had to break it down into something shorter, but there was so much stuff, like, to see, and, and you know, there's only so many sharks, I think, that people want to see in one video, so I tried to tame it down, but I got to pet a shark while I was there, and it was so exciting. Oh, really? Cool. What kind of shark? You're not supposed to pet the sharks. No, you're, you're, you're not, not supposed, supposed to pet to. them, especially when... When our dive master was feeding them lionfish, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh, you're so cute!" And they really are soft. They they feel like a wet peach. Oh wow! As weird as that sounds, that that's what a shark feels like. Yeah. What kind <laughs> of sharks were they? Uh, those were nurse sharks nurse and reef sharks yep. that were there. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, reef sharks are more of like the sharky looking one, like with the more of the pointed face and the black tips on the dorsal fins and then the nurse sharks the ones with more of a blunt type square face and more flat oh yeah 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 at least, technical. at least it wasn't nothing that took a bite out of you that's good i almost got stung in the face by a lionfish oh really that would... you were you were yeah. there oh yeah that would not have been fun no no our our dive master um was slightly concerned he I came around a corner underneath of this, like, little ledge, and I thought I was, like, all alone because I'd swung out around everybody, and I wanted to get a good picture looking back. Well, little did I know that everybody came over the top of this little cave that I had come out from underneath of, 
-hmm. and our dive master was there coaxing a lionfish out so he could get them because they try to kill them off the reef because they're invasive. They eat smaller fish, and they just ruin reefs. So we're all about, like, you know, snagging the lionfish, but I had no idea he was there. And you you have very limited, like, you know, visibility. You can see right in front of you. You don't really have peripherals so much. And so I start to look up, looking for everybody, and I'm like, oh, crap. And I froze, and I let all my air out of my lungs so that I could sink faster than I needed to because the lionfish spines out coming right towards me, and the dive master just froze. Oh, and geez. it was like in suspended animation. You didn't move. Nothing happened. And then I got enough out of the way, and he shooed the grouper fish away, and then he snagged the lionfish. I was like, holy crap. And he looked at me, and he's giving me the okay sign, and I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And I was, like, freaking out and excited about it. And he just looked at me and, like, shook his head. You could see him roll his eyes. It was uh, great. <laughs> so how bad is it if you got stuck by that thing? It's really oh, painful. It's, are, yeah. they, are, they, are they, like, poison spikes on them? Or? Yes. Yeah. Oh, damn. That would definitely not be good. Yeah, that's uh, not You good. need immediate medical treatment. Um <laughs> So, and, and with my being allergic to, like, wasps and hornets so badly that I, I think that I would probably have really bad adverse effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could probably go into anaphylactic <laughs> shock over that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Possibly, that, yeah. that would not be good. Uh -oh. Yeah, because even if you get epinephrine, you're still going to swell up pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your head will be all puffy and everything. That'd be pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be fun. Okay, so I got to ask you guys, McCracken Mine. Now, I think I think this is the one I pinged you about, Ellie, because isn't this the one where you guys where you guys were talking about copper? This used to be a copper mine. Yeah, that was a copper mine. Um, they uh, looking into it more. Also, they got some gold from it too. Oh, uh, really? But it was it was huge. Yeah, that was a big <laughs> complex there. Now, how, um, how long ago did they shut that one down? I don't know. I didn't look it up, so I don't know. Did you look it up? I did. I, I can actually look it up again right now. I'm not sure. I don't remember. That's the bad part, right? As I look these things up, and half the time I mean to put it in there, and um, sometimes it doesn't happen. But <laughs> <laughs> now you guys work, you guys work at the same place, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you guys did. So are these now these mines that are in your general area? Did they all, were they all run by your company at one time or other companies? Oh no, no, they were. You know, long before, uh, a long, uh, long time ago, they okay. were existed. Yeah. So they're the vast majority of them are all going to be like independent, you know, individually owned mines. Oh yeah, yeah. I was trying to get her to smelt some of that copper for me and send it over. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't do it though. Like, I'm sorry. The the best I can do is um because I moved sort of ish down the road. Um, everything of mine is now in a giant cargo trailer. However. Um, I found copper nodules that I had before, and uh, one of the friends that I met over December, who's a geologist, uh, who lives in Australia, asked me, he's like, hey, you have native copper, that's awesome, he's all, you also have, like, copper things, because I was telling him about it, and I said, well, you know, when I get home, I can send them to you, or, you know, send you a piece of it, and he was so excited, it, it you know, blew his mind, because you have the SXEW, um, and it, uh, basically it's an electro winning facility where they use anodes and cathodes to plate copper. Uh -huh. And so off of that, they get copper nodules, which is exactly how it sounds. And 
they fall off of the anodes. And so you could, they pick them up and collect them because they can't do anything with them. You can't ship them out. So usually they have a bucket of them. So if you want one of those, I could totally send you a copper nodule. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What about some gold nodules? I'll take those. I would love that too. If you know where to get those, let me know. <laughs> what well, you guys got the mine that had gold in it? <laughs> well, they, well, you don't see it. That's the bummer part. Is yeah. the rocks? Depending on what they are, it you most of the gold is like microscopic. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Now, well, did you did you say you guys moved since I talked to you last year? No, I moved. Oh okay. Um, over to Dan's house, I we had separate houses, and we're like, oh. let's just move in. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I was going to ask him because I remember you telling me the story about your rock collection. Did he get oh, stuck? Yeah. Did you get stuck moving that rock collection, Dan? Yeah, it's a, a lot of rocks. Oh, my God. <laughs> a couple thousand pounds. Oh, my God. Like it uh, really is a couple thousand pounds. Now I know why he's got a big turbo diesel to haul her rock collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really bad when I go out to areas because, of course, I, like, collect rocks. And generally, he's like, oh, Cool. And, the, like, they're just not... Or, like he did in the McCracken video, he uh, he said that, well, Ellie will probably know what this is. And I was like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know, you'll have to watch the video. And I was like, crap. So once I saw the video, I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. And he just kind of rolled his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you guys... I told her last year, Dan, that you guys got to get sold in one place so poor Dan doesn't have to keep moving this rock collection every few years. So you got to convince her to stay put. I need a bigger house. Yeah. Well, you can just stick build a house. Dynamite, whatever you got now, build something bigger. Just so you don't have to move the rock collection. Yeah. And her and her ward, and her wardrobe semi. Oh gosh, yeah. That does have kind of extensive wardrobe. Yeah, I remember I remember her telling me that she owns pretty much all the outfits she uses for photo shoots and stuff and I was like, "Oh yeah. my god." And then yeah. she and then she actually can remember what she's worn when she shot with somebody before, so she doesn't wear the same combination again or too many pieces from a previous outfit again. And I was telling yeah, her like, crazy. I wear like knee length John Cena shorts and t shirts. That's as fancy as I get. I could not <laughs> I could not coordinate thousands of outfits, let alone make sure I didn't wear the same one to the same shoot again. That would, yeah. that would just fry my brain. I don't know how she oh. handles it. Oh, my oh, God. She does pretty, handles it pretty well. Yeah. Well, I see she's been keeping fairly busy with the photo shoots because I see you've done quite a few projects lately with Dave Kelly again, which is off. His work is phenomenal. Yeah. I he's love some a lot of the stuff fun. you guys do together. Uh, he's been, um, unfortunately, like with everybody slowing down with the quarantine stuff, uh, it's made, you know, a lot of my older photographers not necessarily scared, but just cautious. Oh, yeah. I can and, imagine. And, you know, I, understandably, you know, I don't want to put, make them uncomfortable and just letting them know, hey, whenever you're ready to shoot, let me know. And so uh, Dave Kelly has been itching. He's like, you can come to Bonita Creek. I'll come to you. He's all, let's figure this out. So he's actually trying to fix his air conditioning on his uh, travel trailer so that he can come down to Baghdad because we found this really awesome little abandoned cabin that we think was a hunting cabin that's just, I don't know, down by the Santa Maria River right beside us. Oh, cool. But he's like, okay, I call dibs. He's all, no one's shooting you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, with some of the stuff you guys do together, there ought to be some cool areas outdoors where you could do, you know, shoots together, and then he doesn't have to, you know, 
you guys don't have to be as nervous about the whole virus thing. Yeah. We got a lot of really cool stuff to check out around here. A lot of old abandoned ranches and Yeah, I'm jealous. You guys everywhere. seem to find some really cool stuff out there. Like back yeah. when, I, when I drove truck, I went through years ago. I went through Arizona and Texas a lot, and I was like, "Man, these guys got a lot of cool places to explore out here." Yeah, so it's super remote. Oh yeah, well that's the best stuff. Mm -hmm. you go way out there, and it's like nobody there but you because almost nobody knows about it. Everybody's forgotten it's there, or whatever the case is. Yes, and that's um, that's actually how we felt about uh, the Indian ruins that we found that. It hasn't been barely touched. Like, no one knows where it is. If you look at a map, you just think it's a pile of rocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the one and, near Prescott. Mm. Yeah. And, it, 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 man, it's a long ways out there. Like, forever. And then, But the hike to it is literally living brutal. Well, the first way it was. Okay, well... If you don't know any better, or the area, or where you're going, you're like, oh, I'm just going to walk to the top of this ridge, and hopefully not fall off a bunch of sandstone, and not <laughs> or, stab myself. Or get bit by a snake. <laughs> yes, or get bit by a snake, or, you know, find a porcupine. And little do you know, you're on the wrong freaking ridge line. <laughs> uh, and you find out later there's, like, an easier way to get to it. Oh, yeah. yeah much, oh. much easier. Yeah, that always sucks when you find that out the hard way. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I couldn't tell via Google Earth what was going to be easiest. Yeah. Dan's no longer allowed to look at Google Earth without <laughs> me looking at Google Earth with him. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's grounded from solo Google Earth, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if we both know it's going to be brutal, like a video we haven't posted yet, we found a, or we didn't find it, but someone had told us about a cave, and we're like, ah, oh, we're going to go find this cave, right? And the directions are usually very vague. It's like, oh, yeah, I was down this road, and you take, like, these two lefts, and there's some rocks and a creek and some cows, and then it's just past this old fence thing. Uh -oh. like, you got anything else? And they're like, no, and then it's kind of on the hill. You can't miss it. <laughs> you're searching around for, like, four hours. We're like, man, is it here yet? And then finally you're like, oh, my gosh, there it is. And you still have to drive, like, another hour to where you're pointing oh, wow. to go find this stuff. Well, and, I had to drive another hour, but the yeah. hike up the side of the hill was just bushwhacking through scrub brush. Oh, yeah, that would suck. Mountain. It was rough. Yeah. Uh, we got, um, I had just been actually stung in the side of a head by a wasp. Oh, um, I may insert the picture just to show people kind of the agony I was in because I definitely did take my sunglasses off uh, because my eye was nearly swollen shut. Ouch. Um, but we were bored and wanted to yeah. go find the place, so I'm like, ah, you know, what? what's a little more swelling going to do? But, man, our shins were torn up and <laughs> we got uh, some yeah, I can imagine. Uh. <laughs> well, that's about like me. Like, I went up a few years ago. I wanted to shoot one of the one of the really cool falls that they have here in Georgia. So I went up to Tallulah Falls and I got up there. It was in the middle of summer, of course. So it was hotter than blazes and I had all my photo gear and I get there and I'm like, Oh my God, they've got steel stairs that go all the way down to the gorge. I've what? got to, I've got to go down there cause they had a, one of those steel cable bridges Kind of mm -hmm. like where I'm from in Pennsylvania. Like we had areas like our Pennsylvania grand Canyon that years ago when I was in scouts, had a rope bridge that went across it. It was like three ropes. It was a rope you walk on, a rope on each side for handrails, and then like small 
Baylor Twine lashed between the three of them. And they had a same, the same setup at Tulula Falls, but it was all steel cables. And I was like, oh, I got to go down there because that's where the good shots are going to be is down there in the gorge. And, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, I got great shots. And then realized coming back out of there that it's a mile and a half of steel stairs going up the side of this canyon with all my gear. That was not fun. How did no. your knees handle that? Uh, not very well. Uh, <laughs> wow. Bet not. Yeah. Well, I, Ellie knows because I told her before I've got a shot left knee. It's needed replacing since I was like 25. And I've been putting, I, my doctor's told me at that age to put it off because he's like, you know, those got to be replaced every 10 years. So you need to suck it up until you're in a wheelchair and can't walk anymore and then get the first knee replacement done because you don't want to have seven or eight of these in one lifetime. Oh, not yeah. gonna be fun. And one of my friends back home, Shelly, she just got one of her knees replaced, and she's doing pretty good with the recovery. I know they, they the recovery time is a lot less than it used to be, but yeah, I'm still not crazy about having them cut all the bones out of my knee and then replace it with a piece of plastic. I'm like, mm, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I suck it up and suffer with it. No, love it. Yeah, and what and mine's bad enough that sometimes just rain practically cripples me. Like, it'll, it'll get bad enough around here when we get bad rain coming. I know the rain's coming before it gets here because the knee starts throbbing like crazy, and then I know i got to put it in a brace because I won't be able to walk on it. And it's a nightmare. But anyways, the part that was cool about Tulula Falls was, of course, going down was easy. Getting there to the steel cable bridge was freaking amazing because there was all kinds of tourists there, and I'm one of those sick and twisted people that like to get on bridges like that and then jump up and down Mounts? and shake them and everything right, else because yeah. I love to test them out, see how good the engineering is. <laughs> yeah, and make everybody scream bloody murder because the bridge is flopping all over the place and I'm having a good old time, but nobody else is enjoying it. <laughs> uh, that's just my, my twisted oh, yeah. sense of humor. I love swing. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. Like, I used to love to go, like I said, the one in the... I don't even know if they still have it up anymore, but... Last time I went to Pennsylvania Grand Canyon was like 25 years ago. And I loved that one because that was a massively long and it was just rope and sticks and that was it. And I would get halfway across the canyon with my scout troop and be shaking and rocking that thing and jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. So needless to say, I wasn't popular with my scout troop either. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> karma comes back. <laughs> yeah. People are always like, aren't you afraid to fall? I'm like, no, because I won't feel it when I get to the bottom. Yeah, that's true. Chances are those huge boulders are just going to splatter me all over, and I won't oh, yeah. have to worry about it. I won't feel a thing. <laughs> and I got a good laugh giving you guys all heart attacks jumping up and down on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. Oh, goodness. So what are your what do you what next trips do you have coming up? Do you guys have some other places that you have in upcoming videos that you're going to explore? Because I love the Black Pearl Mine. That was awesome. The Kraken Mine was fantastic. I still have to go back. I think I bookmarked it, but I never got back to watching the the Indian Ruins in Prescott. So that I've got to, I've got to watch cool. that, and I've got to watch your Belize video yet because I haven't watched that one yet either. Awesome. Yeah. The um, we actually just took a trip to a place called Box Canyon outside of Wickenburg, and we want to film us going there, because it, if you go all dirt road, mm -hmm. it is a royal pain, but, like, if you do, like, the shortcut, where you, like, cut through town and get on the highway, and then, you know, cut down this wash thing that was behind McDonald's, and then drive up this road, it was a piece of cake. <laughs> we didn't figure that out until we were done, uh, but... Man. 
dirt road part was awesome. Mm -hmm. well, oh, I can imagine. We went out there, like Dan did some research, and what's that mine called that you sent me a picture of the other day? I don't know, you'd have to look. Oh, right, hold on. It's right on my phone, but there's a really cool mine, and it looks like there's a ton of stuff that is still, like, actually intact. Oh, that really? We can go see. Oh, the Anderson Mill site. Yeah. Yeah, you should be able to pull it up. And so, and it, it's in Wickenburg. We're just, it's one of those things where we do a lot of research to make sure that when we go out to these places that, A, we're not going to get lost or stranded, hopefully, but B, that we're actually going to be able to find it. Yeah, um, that one, that'll be an easy one to find. Oh, yeah, Anderson Mill, that, that's listed as a ghost town. Yeah. When I did a quick Google and of it. And it's a historical landmark thing and and whatnot, so I've never seen it. So it'll oh, be exciting yeah. for us to discover mm -hmm. that. Yeah, they got some awesome we pictures got, on we the got website. Got a other ones around here too. Yeah, we're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go to the Sultan Mine, um, which is over by the cabin where uh, Dave Kelly's gonna shoot me next. Oh, cool. Um, and Sultan then, Mine. Yeah, it's the one that we're we trying to get to, and I crashed on the motorcycle. You called it that something was, else uh, too. Swiss Bell. There's the Sultan Mines right next door. Oh, okay. There's like two mines that are basically there's one here and there's one further there. We should be able to get to that now. Mm hmm We had to wait for the, the riverbed to not be a river anymore. So oh, yeah. So it's about there. Otherwise, you just sink right to the bottom. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Well, according to the reviews for Anderson Mill, it looks like it's a great place for quads and razors. Yep. Mm hmm Yep. And so that's definitely going to want to take your toy. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. See, now the only thing you guys need when you guys go exploring all these remote places, you got to get a helicopter now. Yeah. That would just make it easier. <laughs> yeah, it would. Get one that's yeah, big enough that it can drone. carry your quad underneath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just carry it around. Uh, yeah. I do actually want to get a really small drone that can just go in like a little box and oh, yeah. sit in the side-by-side. So if we see like a, a ridge on the other side of a canyon, we can just launch the drone over to see oh, if yeah. there's something there. Instead of hiking down a canyon, then up the other side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something oh. like the, the Mavic 2 Air that just came out. Yeah, is that the one that's like $390? Uh, no. <laughs> Which one's the one it's, that's $390? Um, the Mavic 2, well, the original Mavic probably dropped since the, the Air 2 is out now. But the Air 2 is, if you get the basic drone with one battery kit, it's like 800 bucks. But, oh, but for like the next, for like another hundred and fifty, you can get it with three batteries, the backpack, and a whole bunch of other stuff for like hundred and fifty bucks more. So they call the Mavic Mini then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be the Mavic Mini. I think they do have one of those. But I would probably go with like the Air Two, just because it has much longer flying time. They've extended the batteries on the Air Two to like thirty-five or thirty-six minutes now. Huh. Yeah. So you can get much more flying time, especially if you want to use it to explore, you know, some of these places that you don't want to hike. <laughs> yeah, especially yep. when it's just like a little hole in the side of a cliff that yeah, exactly. is hard to get to. Yep, so much easier to fly the drone up there, and you can watch it on the screen and shoot video at the same time. Yeah. And, and then and still then, get cool stills, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See if we actually want to make the hike. The, the thing that scares me about hiking, like, I don't care about snakes. I can move them around or, you know, try to avoid them. Mm -hmm. But, like, the, especially this time of year, like, the wasps and hornets. I'm deathly allergic to hornets, and I'm severely allergic to wasps. And so, yeah. like you can ask Dan, like, I have, 
a mild panic attack when I see them. Uh-huh. Oh, I can imagine. My sister's the I same way. Or talk about them. Yep. <laughs> well, my sister Carrie, um, she's allergic, but we can't remember what species of bee she's allergic to, so she has to avoid all of them. Because she got she got stung once when she was an infant and almost died. Mom and I had to rush her to the hospital. But it's been so long, we can't remember what species of bee it was, so she just panics around any of them. Uh, understandably. Um, and so right after I got stung by the wasp uh, at the end of April, uh, Dan had to tell me about the whole murder hornet thing, and so that really freaked me out. Just oh, seeing yeah. them <laughs> makes my skin crawl. Like, I, mm, no. So that freaks me out. I'm, I'm, we take an EpiPen and Benadryl and charcoal and, and stuff like that that I could use to get myself somewhere. But I had a real bad episode in Montana. Um, I nearly died, but I got stung by, I think I had 15 hornet stings, if oh, not more, because okay. they, they sting you multiple times. But mm -hmm. it looked like I had elephantitis in my right leg by the next day. It was pretty horrible. But oh, I can imagine. I just, I like, quit breathing. Like, that was it. I was like, all right, I'm dying. I'm a goner. I'm, you know, this is the end. So I am very, like, uh, very extremely scared. scared. Irrationally move around and look like one of those crazy people that got a bat stuck in their hair. Yeah. It, I'm one of those. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Well, see, I, I don't have phobias, so I don't understand them, and people think it makes me cruel, but I can understand where you're coming from with the bees because of the fact that you are highly allergic to them. That's totally different. It's yeah. like my yeah. mom's terrified of snakes just because she's terrified of snakes. She was like four years old playing one summer in, in my grandparents' yard, and she had one crawl across her leg or something. She's been terrified of them ever since. And so that kind of yeah, thing, that kind of thing that. I don't understand, but being terrified of bees when you can be killed by them, I can understand that. <laughs> That's totally yeah, a different ballgame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like my nephew and my son are terrified of spiders, and I'm like, why? Spiders are pretty much harmless. Yeah, so are, so are Dan's sons. Like, you talk about, like, a 15-year-old screaming like a little girl. Oh, yeah. Like... Oh my gosh, he'll go in the yeah. backyard and act like he's dying. It's like, what is there's a spider on the wall? Oh uh, yeah. What? Just walk away. Yeah, my son and my nephew are both that way with spiders. <laughs> my mom and my two youngest brothers are that way with snakes. My my brother Dennis freaked out one summer because he saw a large night crawler and thought it was a snake. Oh it's my It's like, God. dude, it's a worm. Relax. I don't care. It looks like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I know. It kills me. It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? That's great. Yeah. But like I said, everybody thinks that I'm a dick because I don't have any phobias, so I don't understand them. They don't make any sense to me. Like, I don't understand being terrified of a spider or a snake, especially if, unlike you, you don't have an allergy to them. You're just afraid of them because they have more legs than you. Who cares? Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I never understood that. <laughs> but, yeah. To each their own, I guess. I, I Sometimes I don't understand where the irrational fear comes from. In my mom's case, it was a, like a trauma thing with, with a snake when she was little. But still, it's like, Mom, you were, what, two years old at the time? Now you're yeah, 70. Yeah, crawled on you. <laughs> yeah. Get over it. It's like my mom gets the heebie-jeebies even if you mention the word snake. That's oh, how, my gosh. That's how bad her phobia is. And she really hated it because growing up, Mine and my dad's favorite movie, and this it's a really old movie, and it's a really corny freaking movie from like the 70s, and it's just called S and it has Dirk Benedict who yeah. played face on the A-Team, and it's about a mad scientist who develops a serum to turn humans into king cobras. 
Oh my gosh! Yeah, and that was mine and Dad's favorite movie. We watched it every year on Channel 16. And my mom would get so mad at us. She's like, I can't believe you guys got to watch a stupid movie every year. You've already seen it a hundred times. Like, yeah, but it's good. I so, that probably was on Mystery Science Theater yeah. at one point. Yeah, probably. Yeah, she used to barricade herself in, in her room and read a book while we were watching that movie. Oh, my and, gosh. Oh, and then what was worse is when we lived out in the country, I was about 12 or 13 years old at the time. I had a black Angora cat. And oh. he caught a snake one time. Yep. And I guess thought he killed it, and he didn't, but he brought it in the house, and nobody knew. <gasps> and then the snake got loose in the house, got into one of the walls, and then later, later eggs in the walls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So my brother Dennis is going down the hall one night to take a shower at like 9 o'clock at night and comes screaming back down the hallway, snake, snake. We thought he was crazy. And I go down there and I turn on the hall light and I'm like, oh, yep, daddy's right. We got snakes and lots of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What kind were they? Uh, they were just garter snakes. Oh, just regular fine. Pennsylvania garter snakes. Yeah. But all right. They just stink when you pick them up. <laughs> everybody cleared out of the house, and Dad and I had Dad and my brother Floyd and I had to go through and find them all and get them all back outside before Mom and my two youngest brothers would even think about coming back near the house. Oh, good Lord. Yep. <laughs> uh, and we, I mean, we and we had a large garden when I was growing up. My dad was into that stuff, and so we had like a three-quarter acre garden when I was growing up. We grew all of our own vegetables and stuff. And we had chickens and all that stuff, and. Awesome. Mom wouldn't go out. Mom and my two youngest brothers would not go out and help in the garden unless Dad swept the garden first and killed any snakes that he found. Then they oh, would think geez. about going out there. <laughs> and my dad had this weird thing he would do where he would pick up like a good-sized garter snake. He'd just pick it up in his hands and he'd take his thumb and he'd pop its head off like a dandelion and then toss it in the weeds. Yeah, I, I've seen people do that. I don't know how they have those hands that are that strong. But yeah, neither I, do I. I've seen them. There you go, it's dead. Like, well, wow. my dad always said it's not really a thing of strength. You just got to get the right spot at the base of their skull or whatever. And you just put your thumb there and push, and it just pops their head right off. Like a match head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but see, the thing with snakes, though, is a lot of snakes, you cut their heads off, and their body stays alive for days. Oh like, yeah, I like I remember we went a fair share of rattlesnakes, and they yep. don't stop moving. Oh yeah, because we went. My brother, my brother Floyd, my dad, and I went fishing one time at this lake, and it was right near a railroad tracks. So we would follow the tracks to get back into where the lake was to go fishing. And one summer we were walking along the tracks, and somebody had chopped the head off a rattlesnake, and its head was still twitching and trying to bite, and its body was yep. writhing all over the place. My dad's like, "Yeah, they'll do that for days before they finally completely die." Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yep. And yeah, because they actually had an incident some, one of the, uh, near one of the parks in Pennsylvania when I was a kid that somebody f stumbled upon one that had been decapitated or something, and they thought they could play around with it. The head inadvertently bit them, and they, they had to go to the hospital and get an anti-venom shot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was like, really? That's crazy. Well, that, that's a pathetic rattlesnake story, though. What were yeah. you doing? Oh, I was playing around the head. I was playing with the head, what? and it bit me. <laughs> Yep. Uh, oh, but what's worse is we used to go to this place called Ghost Town in the Glen. And it, it was an amusement park and Ghost Town theme park type thing. Mm -hmm. And it was at a place called Harvey's Lake. And they actually had one year where some people got in the roller coaster. And then halfway around the track, they got bit by a rattlesnake that was hiding under the seat. <gasps> yeah, they survived. But, yeah, that definitely wasn't fun. You know how scary that would be, though? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. definitely not be fun. And, oh, I, wow. and I've been bitten by a rattlesnake before, so. 
You have? Yeah. What years ago we were uh, when I was in Scouts, we used to go a couple times a year and hike around this place called World's End State Park. And I mean, it was my fault, but we were there one year and I decided to rock climb because they had this really cool rock cliff that ran along the trail that we hiked through the woods. Uh -huh. And it wasn't super tall. It was maybe 30 feet, 40 feet, something like that. And there was plenty of places in the rocks to get, you know, good finger holds and toe holds and all that stuff. And I uh -huh. scaled it. I scaled it one year when we were there. I was about 13. And I got all the way to the top, and I set my hand on the top and laid it right on a timber rattlesnake that was laying there sunning himself. <laughs> so then, of course, he bit me. I pulled back. His fangs were stuck in the corner of my hand. I shook him loose. He fell to the bottom. I climbed back down, pulled out my hatchet, and chopped him up. And then I went to the hospital. Oh, good gosh. Yeah. And the doctor's like, so what did you get bit by? A timber rattlesnake? Are you sure? Yep. Here's what's left of him in the bag. <laughs> but, I mean... Most people don't realize that with the average rattlesnake, though, getting bit by them is not really that bad a thing. Unless you're unhealthy or you have a heart condition, most rattlesnake venoms aren't strong enough to kill a healthy adult anyways. They just make you sick. And that's what happened with me. I got the antivenom, but all that happened was my right arm swelled up for a few days, and, and, I, and I got sick, but that was it. Well, that's good. Yeah. And I've known guys that have survived stronger rattlesnake bites and what I timber rattlesnakes yeah they're a rattlesnake but they're not one of the deadliest ones they're not their venom's not nearly as potent as some of the others like the diamondbacks and stuff like that mm -hmm. mahogany green mahogany yeah green. yep and I've mahogany known guys bad. I've known guys that have gotten bitten even by the what is it like the southwestern diamondback or something like that you guys yeah. have out that way those they're, are pretty nasty they're pretty nasty, and then their their Mojave greens are even worse. But the Mojave greens are also aggressive. Oh uh -huh. yeah, figures. <laughs> yeah, they'll freaking yeah. chase you. Well, you guys also have the sidewinders out there too, don't you? Uh, the sidewinder rattlesnakes. Really. Oh, I well, thought I thought they were out in the southwest. <clears throat> they are. They're very specific. Oh okay. We've never seen one. I mean, we've seen four or five different species of rattlesnake since at least I have been yeah, here in we, Arizona. Mm -hmm. We've seen one this summer already. Yeah, we have a big guy this summer. We have a picture of him on our Instagram. He's just sitting there. He was all stretched across the road, and we drive up, and he starts to move, and, you know, he's ready to strike. You're like, you little punk. I've uh, <laughs> seen several dead ones, but they don't yeah. count. No. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we have rattlesnakes in Pennsylvania. We even have them down here in Georgia, but we don't see very many of them. What we tend to see more of is the cottonmouths, cotton you know, the, the water moccasins, and mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Copperhead? Copperheads, yeah. Yeah, when I was doing real estate work last summer, I ran into Copperheads at a couple of properties I went to. Yeah, yeah and it's usually, it's a situation where I go out to photograph an empty house and whoever they contract or landscaping with, the company that owns the house, they haven't been out there. So, like, I went to this one and I'm like, well, I can tell the lawn hasn't been mowed in about two months, so this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the backyard at the end of the shoot because I always photograph the backside of the house from the outside last. And, yep, yeah, ran into a couple of copperheads at that house. And then three weeks later, I ran into a couple more at another house that hadn't been mowed in a while. Hmm. Yeah, no. That, that's another thing. I mean, when we're going out, we have a tendency to climb up on rocks. And we were doing it the other day. And, you know, I was going real slow because I'm like... There's, this is the perfect time of year for them to be sunning themselves oh, yeah. or out in the shade. Yeah, especially late afternoon. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Early morning, late afternoon, and into the evening. Oh, yeah. They're night hunters. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, years ago when I was in the Army down at Fort Benning, which is in Columbus, Georgia, 
we were out in basic training. We were out doing PT, our PT running. We always got, we always start out like four o'clock in the morning. And yeah. I happened to be a road guard that day. So I was at the back of the company formation and the road guards are the only guys that have flashlights. So you got two in the front, two in the back and we wear the safety vests and we stop the traffic and all that happy crap. And I was at the back of the company formation as we were running. Uh, we were on the side of the base where the tanks normally do their maneuvers, and everybody stops dead in the road. And I'm, I said to my buddy Gordy, I said, I'm going to go up there and find out what the heck's going on. So I run up to the front with my flashlight, and <laughs> the big old water moccasin laying across the road using the asphalt to keep it warm. Yeah, they, yeah, they like to do that. They'll come out and lay on the roads at night to stay warm. Gosh, he must have been huge. Yep. But that's not nearly as fun as being halfway across the swamp with water up to your chin, and then you see one drop out of out of a tree into the water out of the corner of your eye. That's always fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I, I'd get away fast at that point. I, I honestly don't know what I would do, but I well, can imagine. You, when you're neck deep in a swamp and you're only halfway across, you can't get out of there too quickly. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. But you're highly motivated when you see that snake drop in the water. Oh, bet. <laughs> yeah, especially because the water moccasins are the only water snake that can attack you underwater. They don't have to come up to the surface to bite you. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. So, oh, yeah, so they can get you when you don't even know they're there. That's gross. Yeah, yeah they're definitely not friendly. Oh. <laughs> not friendly at all. So I love the, oh, I know what I wanted. To, one of the ones I wanted to ask you guys about was this racetrack in Yucca, Arizona. Now, where exactly, because that looked like it was out in the middle of nowhere. It is very middle of nowhere. It's uh, it's closer to Havasu, and that racetrack try to build themselves as being like 45-minute drive to Havasu, uh -huh. which it's not. It's like 45 minutes to the exit off the freeway from Havasu, uh. <laughs> and then you drive... Uh, I think probably a total of about 30 miles down a dirt road. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was somebody's grand idea to try to make a, you know, a neighborhood with a, a racetrack where you can, you don't do any actual racing, but you just do, you know, spin laps in your Corvette or Porsche or whatever you happen to uh, have. yeah. Your own personal track, which it never took off. It never happened. And then where we were camping, that was actually... Um, somebody's idea to have a fly-in, fly-out neighborhood. Oh, Not yeah, a yeah. single thing built there. The run, you know, the runway was a dirt runway, and then you can see the uh, the actual lots and, like, the cul-de-sacs, but nothing was ever put in. Yeah, because... It's was, just too remote. Yeah, because I was going to say, when you guys, when I was watching the video, I was like, you guys said you, it wasn't as empty as you thought it was going to be, but I was like, yeah, it looks like somebody planned to do something with the property at one time, and then it never came came together. Yeah, there's lots of houses out there, just like an individual house on like a 5 or 15 acre lot. Mm -hmm. They're scattered all over the place out there, but, you know, there's power depending on where you're at in that area of Yucca. And a well, you either have to drill your own well or you have to, um, you know, truck water over to your house. Oh, dang. Yeah, that would definitely not be out there, But, I mean, it be a little crazy to live that far out. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, why in God's name would somebody have thought that was a good idea to try to build a neighborhood in the middle of nowhere with a racetrack? <laughs> yeah, somebody spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, that's crazy. 
Now, the fly in and fly out thing, I've seen that before. What, years ago when I lived in Harrisburg, one of the guys that was in my ham radio club, Alan, he was a pilot. And he'd been in the Air Force pilot, and then he became a commercial pilot when he retired from the Air Force. And he got offered the job of a lifetime for him, but he ended up not taking it because his wife didn't want to move to Florida. But he got wow. offered a, he got offered a job in Florida flying like private planes, and they were going to set him up. I mean, it was a huge salary. It was like six figures a year, high six figures. And he was going to have a, they were going to have a house in a special community that was just for pilots. And you could literally fly the plane back, land it near your house, taxi it into a hangar underneath your house, and ride the elevator up to your living room. Yeah. Yeah. And You've I was got like, a couple of those kind of neighborhoods in Arizona. Yeah. And I was like, your wife said no to that? Yeah. No, that would have been cool. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't know. How would you not do that? Might, might, might be time to get a divorce, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was heartbroken because he wanted that job so bad. It was like his dream job to have a, a fly, you know, a pilot's job where he could fly the plane right to his house and taxi yeah. it into a hangar at his house. Oh, that is lame. She yeah. is not bright. I'd yeah. love to live in a fly-in, fly-out neighborhood. Yeah, that mm -hmm. would be awesome. The cost of a plane is kind of steep. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not so bad to buy a plane. It's the cost of keeping one up and getting your pilot's license. Because I've, I've looked into it a few times before, and you can buy, you know, you can buy a decent single-engine plane for like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. But you got all the maintenance costs, the insurance, the fuel, all the time you got to log to get your pilot's license and all that crap. That's where it gets costly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, because when I first moved to Atlanta years ago, in the because the traffic is so bad here, I was tempted because somebody on Craigslist years ago was, uh, they were selling one of those two-person gyrocopters, brand new. And the kits were, the kits were normally like fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000. He bought it and never put it together. And he just put it on Craigslist for like 4200 bucks. And I was so tempted to buy it and build it. Yep. Because I was like, man, if I, had, if I had my own little helicopter in the Atlanta area, it'd be so much easier to commute to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have no idea. I've I've had jobs since I've lived in this area. I lived in Loganville area where my other house was that I sold back in February. I lived in Loganville, worked for Cisco at an old scientific Atlanta camp campus in Lawrenceville. From my front door to the parking lot was exactly ten miles, but the drive was an hour and a half because the traffic oh. is that bad. Yep. Wow. Yeah, well, no, they, thank you. they never built up the roads around Atlanta. That's the problem. We still have the interstates and road infrastructure that we had when Atlanta had a population of like half a million, and now it's almost six million. Yeah. Wow. And they've never expanded the roads. They're trying to now, but it's like, you guys are way behind. This stuff yeah. should have been done decades ago. But, yeah, so I can definitely understand that. But that was, I, when I saw that video, I was like, this racetrack thing is so cool. But I was like, yeah, I don't know why somebody thought that would be a good idea out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because, I mean, no it doesn't idea. look like it's anywhere close to any kind of shopping or dining or nope. anything. Nothing. I'm Not like, the, yeah, great idea. If you're a billionaire, you're going to build a whole city out there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, with your own malls and stuff. But uh, it, the closest, I would say, fuel... Was what the off the forty? Hour. Yeah, an hour away. Dang. Yeah, forty-five minutes an hour just because the dirt road slows you down so much. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can imagine. 
So unless you're crazy like me, most people don't drive 60 miles an hour on a dirt road. <laughs> well, you hey, can I, as long as your vehicle I, can handle it. Exactly. Yeah. I've made record time like driving from Baghdad to Lake Havasu to our our rental house out there. And it's, I was impressed with myself. <laughs> yeah, we have a dirt road that makes the drive an hour shorter. Yeah. Oh, cool. But, you so, know, you need to have a truck or a yeah. jeep to do it. So, so I got I, I to gotta ask you, Dan, how soon is it that she wants you to convert her jeep into a rock crawler so she can get to all these crazy places? She kind of wants to. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be what she's bugging. She's got to be bugging you about that. Come on, honey, let's turn my jeep into a rock climber. Yeah, she wants to do the flat fenders and a different suspension uh, set up on it because it's stiff, mm -hmm. really stiff. Yeah, it's so stiff. In fact, I went over a speed bump and a pothole yesterday, and I broke the connecting rod off of my exhaust pipe to create a giant hole, which yep. was lovely to drive two hours home yeah. listening to this horrible exhaust sound right underneath oh, my I can imagine. Well, you have you have one of the you have one of the YJs, right? Um, what year's your What year's your Jeep? It's a '04. It's a TJ. Oh, it's a TJ. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't even think I've heard of the TJs. I remember the YJs because we always told everybody we always picked on the people who had them because they were yuppie Jeeps. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't real Jeeps. The Jeeps I had when I was growing up were like the old CJ fives and sevens that were actually built like tanks. Yeah, there's the CJ, and then there's the TJ, and then there's the YJ. And the YJ is the, yeah, the sissy car. Mine was right in between, but I made sure to buy it so that the engine was not the minivan engine, which sucks. But oh, it's yeah. It's the actual good engine where you can get 300,000 miles on it and not worry about it. Oh, there you so, go. Now, is, uh, your, is yours a six-cylinder? or? It's a six-cylinder, yeah. But yeah, she's gutless as can be. Because I know that was okay. the big problem with a lot of the YJs is they put an idiotic four-cylinder in them. And then huge tires on them. I was like, what was the idea behind that? The four-liter straight six is not much better than the four-cylinder. This is true, really. but at least my engine is actually better. I'll be able to drive it until the Jeep falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the last Jeep I had was a 77 CJ. and oh, uh, Or no, maybe it was a 76. But anyways, the guy I bought, a friend of mine that I bought it off of, had put a 360 that was bored and stroke, and it was putting out like 800 horsepower. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Only about six miles to the gallon, but nobody yep. could catch it. Mm -hmm. Nope, that's for sure. Yep. And then mine had the heavy-duty plates on the skid plates on the underside, so you could basically take mine almost rock climbing. I mean, I used to go all kinds of crazy places with that, and I never had to worry about tearing up my oil pan because all that stuff was armored <laughs> yeah. on the underside, so I didn't have to worry about it. Oh, that's the way to me. Yep. Well, I just got me a new, uh, well, somewhat new toy. It's new to me, but I just recently got a 2006 Toyota Highlander. Full-time four-wheel drive. They're fun to play with, too. Yeah. Well, I don't go as off-road with that as I would my old CJ7, but you can still have well, a lot of fun with a Highlander. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. I've always wanted one of the FJ Cruisers because they're so much like a Hummer. You don't want one. Really? Yeah, um... My my little sister had one, and it's like uh, driving a box that you cannot see out of. Oh, uh, really? Like, like, the visibility drove me insane. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine. see anything, and, and I need to, like, look around, right, to see where I'm going. Oh, man, it drove me in 
See, that, see that's why I would like it. I spent 10 years in the Army driving the Hummer, so I would be used to it. <laughs> That'd be perfect for me. Oh, yeah, well, then, yeah, you'd love it. <laughs> you don't mind having a huge blind spot. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to get one, but I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to spend $50,000 on one of those. Yeah. They're no. nice to, they'd be nice to have, but with the V8, they get really bad gas mileage, so that's why I've never bought one. <laughs> they put a V8 in the FJ cruiser? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The FJs have a V8 in them. I huh. don't know. I think they made them at one time with a six-cylinder, but they upgraded it to an eight because it, the six just didn't have enough power to pull that heavy body. What was the last year they made it? Because they don't make it anymore. Um, I want to say I think the last model year was 2015. 15. I think. Because huh. I think I remember looking at a new one in 2015. Uh, I can't, I still don't, well, well, like I, you said, if they're, uh, oh no, four, 2014 was the last year they made them, my bad. Oh, uh, right. I was off by a year. Of course, I was looking at them in early 2015, so they were probably 2014 leftovers. That yeah. Hadn't, yeah. That hadn't been sold off the lot yet. But yeah, they only get like 16 miles a gallon, 15, 16. Ugh. They yeah, weigh, they weigh almost, does. they weigh almost 5,000 pounds or something like that. Oh. Crazy. Yep. Too heavy, yeah, they're nice, but like I said, I just yeah. couldn't I couldn't see myself spending fifty thousand dollars for a play toy. Uh -oh. No. No. I always wanted to go to one of the military auctions when they used to be open to the public and get an old Hummer or something like that and just play that with would that. Be cool. But they they killed that because they had so many people. I guess they had a lot of issues when they had the public military auctions, so they started making them all sealed bid auctions and it's like forget it. You can't get anything now because, you know, being at sealed bid, some jerk that's got millions of dollars just goes in and submits a bid to buy everything they got, and they take it all. Oh. Kind of ruins it for the regular people. Yeah, because I had friends when I grew up that went to those auctions when they had them in the public, and they bought, like, the old quarter, what they call the quarter ton, the old army jeeps. Because yep. they have an armor-plated body. And they believe it or not, they only have a four-cylinder, but you can't kill those things. Because they, they only have like a top speed of 50, 55 miles an hour because the armored body makes them so heavy. Oh, but yeah. The four-cylinder like four four they put in them, you couldn't kill that thing. Gosh. And you used to be able to buy them when they had the public auctions. You used to be able to buy them the leftover Jeeps for like 1200 bucks. Oh. And uh, you only had to make a few light uh, headlight, taillight modifications to make them street legal in most states. <laughs> wow. Yep. So a lot of people bought them when I was younger because they loved them for like going up to their hunting cabins and stuff like that, especially in the wintertime where I'm from in Pennsylvania. They were really popular for that stuff. Got cheap and disposable. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And they went to the Hummers, which I do like the Hummers a lot better. We we started using the Hummers a lot back when I was in the service in the 80, late 80s and into the 90s is when the Hummers got really popular. And they're great vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty wide, though. Yeah, yeah, they are. But they'll go over anything. That's the nice thing yeah. about them. They're practically a rock climber, just the way they are. Which is why they're so popular, especially with civilians. And I know a lot of guys, like the guys that are into the Bigfoot trucks, that build like Bigfoot, Barefoot, all those trucks... Mm -hmm. They discovered years ago the easiest way to build one of those trucks and have it last was to buy the same drivetrain and suspension system that the Army used in their five-ton, deuce-and-half trucks. 
gosh. So that's what those guys buy for drive shafts. That's all the stuff they put in those monster trucks so they don't tear them up all the time because that's what used to happen. They would use, you know, the heaviest duty civilian stuff they would get and they would just tear it up all the time. Uh-huh. They're always ripping out their drive shafts and their differentials and everything else. So they started buying the same stuff that the military used in the Deuce the, the six wheel vehicles, the six wheel trucks, the big ones. Right. Yep. They started using all that stuff on their on their Bigfoot trucks. So, Dan, what else have you got going on for the two of you for your next upcoming adventures? Because I get to talk to her. I've talked to her twice before on the show, so I want to give you a little more time. <laughs> uh, working on our boat. We bought a project boat just driving around Havasu that was at a yard sale. Super cheap. Oh, really? Not real pretty. Oh, that'll be it's cool. A pontoon boat. Don't pontoon need boat. To say what it is. Oh, cool. Hey, there's nothing wrong with pontoon. that. Yeah, pontoon boats can be a lot of fun. Yeah, they're... Uh, Easy to work on. I mean, it's just two aluminum tubes sitting on an aluminum frame. Yeah. Yep. We uh, ripped out all the old furniture, bought new furniture. So are you guys doing a DIY project video on that? Yeah. Oh, that'll yep. be awesome. I can't wait to see that one. Oh. That yeah, a little bit more to cool. do to it still. Cool. I was actually working on the trailer today because the trailer uh, had a giant crack in the frame. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Uh, no, it was... About ready to fall into two pieces where the factory welds two tubes together and instead of sleeving it they just butt two pieces of square tube together and just mid weld right around the uh, seam oh that's crazy so it cracked right through the old weld so i i got it all straightened back together and then uh plated it welded it properly <laughs> yeah so it'll actually last this time yeah it'll Definitely not break there. Yeah. It would definitely not be fun to get your pontoon boat all restored and go to take it out the first time on the water and you get halfway there and the trailer falls apart. Yeah. That would kind of ruin the weekend. Yeah, I got to do the wheel bearings. I have to order wheel, wheel bearings because they're shot really worn out. Wow. Sounds like somebody didn't keep up the maintenance on that thing, did they? Oh, uh, it was old. Oh, it's really? An old pontoon boat. Oh, really old one, huh? Yeah. Uh, Cool. So I can't wait to see that restoration video. That's going to be cool. So where, are you, we've been, where are you guys going to take it the first time you take it out? Like Havasu? No, we'll probably just drag it down to Pleasant. Because I can't do the shortcut to uh, get to uh, Havasu uh-huh. with the boat. i got to take the long way. So the first uh, make sure of floats trip will probably just be down at Lake Pleasant. Ah, uh, okay. Just to make sure it's water worthy. Yeah, make sure it doesn't sink. Yeah, you definitely don't want to drive a long ways just to drop it in the water and have it sink like a rock. Yeah. That would not be fun. And And Ellie would never let you hear the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, no. We've been working on another video. It's taken a while where we're doing a, they call it fractal burning. Oh, really? Use a microwave transformer. You take a transformer out of a microwave, you hook two electrodes to it, and then... uh, there's a whole process to getting it out and wiring it up. Then you can, uh, put it on a piece of wood, and you can burn designs in the piece of wood with the uh, two electrodes. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, you have to be very careful because if you get into the circuit there, microwave transformers will kill you. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Right now, kill you. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're super dangerous to mess with. Yeah. I was like, when I was younger, one of my friends from high school, and I used to get the old 
picture tube style TVs. We'd find them in landfills and stuff, and we'd pull. Mm -hmm. I want to. I can't remember, but I want to say it was like an electrolytic capacitor out of them or something like. But anyways, it was this piece you'd pull out of these old TVs, and if you hooked it up backwards, it would explode like dynamite. <laughs> and we used to do that all the time. We'd pull a ton of them out of TVs at the landfill, and then we'd take them out behind his parents' house in the woods, and we'd bury them, and then touch them to a car battery, <laughs> set them off. That was always a lot of fun. Yeah, that's probably a capacitor being overloaded. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun, though. It'd go up like a half stick of dynamite. That's a lot of fun when you're a teenager. Yeah, Ellie's laughing because I do sort of the same thing with liquid nitrogen. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you got to tell me about that. Come on now. Liquid nitrogen, that, uh, we've got like unlimited liquid ni liquid nitrogen. Just put a little bit of it in a, a two liter bottle and put the cap back on and throw it. Oh, Same really? as dry ice. Oh. And just it, a little quicker, and it's the liquid nitrogen is free, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You used to do that at you the, throw it on at a night shift. Makes a nice frozen grenade. Yeah. You just <laughs> throw them into a canyon. Oh, wow. Big loud boom and an echo. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool as heck. That's about like when I, believe it or not, my, my chemistry teacher when I was in high school, a guy named Mr. Borges, and he was so cool. He taught us, um, he did this experiment one day in, our, in his class that I had with him where he had this, some sort of spores and it was like a yellowish powdery substance and he had an empty paint can and he had a hose that ran in through the side of the paint can on the bottom and it had a funnel on the inside and he put some of these spores in the funnel. It was a lit candle in the bottom of the paint can. You pound the lid on and then you take the other end of the hose, you stick it in your mouth and you just blow quick and pinch and it blows the lid off the can. Oh, my gosh. And then he's like, and believe it or not, you can do the same thing with enriched white baking flour that your mom has at home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, yeah. Spread it thin on a cookie sheet and bake it to like 350 for a half an hour. It becomes just as combustible as these spores. Yeah, I've done baking powder on flour. Uh, it's not just flour, but, yeah, it's got to be baking powder. It's got a calorie density to it. Oh, yeah. Put it in, like cheesecloth, and if you have a fire on the ground, if you have it in a cheesecloth, you get a real fine mist in the air of the powder. It'll catch on fire and burn. That's how they have silo explosions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a volunteer fire and rescue back home, and that was one of the big things that we hated was the silo fires. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, because I found real, real fine times. powder. Yep. Yeah, and people are like, really? A silo with grain can catch on fire? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> very yeah. easily. And they don't go out very easily once they're burning. No. no. And they get extremely hot. Yeah, they're definitely not fun. I've only fought a silo fire maybe twice in the 15 years I did fire and rescue, but that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're well, a pain to put out, and they get so hot. Well, we've, all, we've had, a, I guess, a recent episode with fire. Did oh, you yeah. explain this? I uh, let the uh, smudge pot boil over. Ah. Uh. We were having a wonderful evening outside. Dan had a cigar. He had a glass of bourbon. We were sitting in a chair. I had a blanket. It was, you know, cooler outside. And so, you know, the smudge pots, they're getting rid of them in California because they pollute the air, which they don't pollute that much. Yeah. You put engine oil in them and diesel, you light them on fire. It's great for heat, right? Mm -hmm. But if there's a little bit of water in it, and if you run it wide open, which you're not supposed to do, uh, they can boil over. Uh. It Went up like a Roman candle. It caught the backyard on fire, like the grass. Wow. Like, I flew over backwards in my chair. My drink went flying. Dan ran to the other side of the house. He got the hose. <laughs> so, was it basically turned into a napalm pot? 
Ooh, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It like just blows stuff everywhere. Boils over and then everything it rains fire. Yeah. Yep. It rains yeah. fire down. It was awesome. If you're at the dunes, you could do it intentionally and just like let it go. You might just lose your glass. You oh might yeah, lose smudge pot though. Yeah, you might get. burn that. Yeah, because I was gonna say if you could get it hot enough when you're out at the dunes, you could possibly make glass from the sand. I don't know yep. if it'd get hot enough though. Is it the right kind of sand? Yeah. Is it parts right of, of it are parts the right, of the right kind, kind of sand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the dunes, they don't let you do stupid stuff there anymore. Like, people use burn magnesium out there. they got signs everywhere, do not burn magnesium. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. Hey, it could be worse. We had a guy over in, in Gwinnett County a few years ago. and I don't know if you guys have seen the video on YouTube because it circulated quite a bit. He was playing around with that. Uh, what the heck is that stuff you can buy at freaking sporting goods shops? Oh, Tannerite. Tannerite, oh, yeah. Tannerite's awesome. Yeah, he, yeah, but he put like five, 10 pounds of it in a freaking riding oh, lawnmower, yeah. and then he was shooting at it with an AR-15 from like 20 feet away. And it. And when it detonated, yeah. it took one of his legs off. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. <laughs> Like, what, what kind of idiot does that? It's like for every pound of tannerite, you're supposed to be like 150 feet away or something like that when you detonate Probably. it. And yeah, he puts no. 10 pounds in a riding mower and detonates it from like 20, 30 feet away. Uh, he deserved a Darwin Award. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it didn't kill him, but it did take his leg off. Jeez. I bet. <laughs> Yeah, because I like to watch the uh, the Darwin Award videos on the BMA's channel on YouTube. Some of those are pretty funny. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> years ago, I don't know if you guys ever watched it, but I used to love a series they had on Spike called uh, Thousand Ways to Die. Thousand Ways to Die. I love that. Yeah, that was an awesome show. I wish they'd bring that back. That was so cool. I haven't had cable TV in like 15 years, so uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah. It was about 15 years ago, so. I remember the show. But I only saw a few episodes. That was it. Well, years ago, they used to also have the Faces of Death movies, too. Those were pretty good. It was all real-life yep. real situations where people got killed doing stupid crap, like feeding bears they weren't supposed to feed and stuff. But some of them yep. were, some of them were accidents. Off of stuff. Yeah, some of them were accidents. Yeah. Like one guy died because he was skydiving, and the wind blew him off course, and he landed in a, in a gator pen or something like that down in Florida and got yeah. tore up by the alligators. Yeah, that's sad. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a lot of the, lot of the people in the Faces of the Death movies got killed because they were doing stupid stuff, just like on A Thousand Ways to Die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing idiotic things like messing with grizzly bears in the wild and stuff like that. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like. I do not like bears. Yeah. I, I grew up around them, so they don't bother me any. We had tons of them in Pennsylvania. They're just kind of... They're evil. Like, they're, evil. they've got an attitude about them, man. Nah. <laughs> they're like big old kitty cats. Play, no! You play no, with tigers. You can play with bears. Come on now. We <laughs> had bears. Like, we had a couple. Um, like, we had a coastal grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. Meanest piece of shit in the world. That thing would chase you oh, well, and then, like, snarl at you. And he was just a cub. Like, oh, yeah, my well, dad's got video of him, like, running after me. And I, oh, oh I, I can imagine. Grizzlies is a totally different thing, though. Like, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, we had black bears and brown bears. And the black bears can be nasty, too. But usually only if you mess with their cubs or something like that or you're threatening them in some way. But, yeah, yeah. Gri grizzlies are totally different. You're talking grizzlies, Kodiaks, and polar bears. They're just plain mean and aggressive. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. They, uh, like in Oregon, when I go to see my parents, um, we go horseback riding, and in general, it's the time of year when 
the black bear's got its cubs, and usually you'll see a couple little babies trail in front of you fairly far away, and then you know that mom is not too far behind, and you just sit there on your horses, and you wait, yep. and oh, yeah. let them do their thing. <laughs> yeah, because mama gets with you getting too close to the kids, and she's going to be coming after you. Yeah, that's not fun. Yep. As a matter of fact, they had a lady, saw it. Last year or the year before, they had a lady that actually got chased by a black bear. She was out walking a nature trail in a park. I can't remember if that was here in Georgia or if it was back in my home state of Pennsylvania, but she got chased by a black bear. It never caught her, and I don't know who's actually really, really after her, but it got it must not have been after Somebody got it on video because it actually chased her for a little while down the trail, and then it just sauntered off like it got bored or something. I was like, well, that was kind of weird because generally when a, a black bear chases you, they've got a reason to chase you. Yeah. And they're probably going to catch you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're running on level ground or if you're going uh -huh. yeah, or if you're going uphill, forget about it. And you always And people don't realize that. It's like if you're going to try to outrun a bear, go downhill because they can't run downhill as well. Because yeah. their front paws being shorter than their back ones, they're going to tumble. Mhm. Uh -huh. But like flat ground or uphill, you're going to lose every time. Yeah, you're screwed. Yep. And don't try to climb a tree because they can climb them better than you can. <laughs> oh, we had people that did that before in Pennsylvania. Hunters got the stupid they idea to tree. try to climb a tree to get away from a black bear. It's like, why did you think that was a good idea? They can go up a tree like you walk across the sidewalk. Yeah, geez. Huh. Yep. You guys, doing the pontoon boat next. That's going to be cool. I'll see you guys going to have that video posted. I can't wait to see that one. Um, well, we've got to get it in the water first. Like, yeah. we've got a show from start to finish. We can't just go, uh, hey, here's the boat. No, no, you do it in parts. This is what it looks like when we bought it. This is us working on it. This is now that it's water worthy. got to do it. to keep us sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> we could do, like, the first part of it. Yeah, I have the whole first part done. We're just waiting to actually take it you know, out to the actual water. Yeah, that'll, yeah. that'll definitely be fun. <laughs> no, yeah, we're hoping that, you know, people give us suggestions and that kind of stuff they want to see, but there's, we've got a, a handful of actual local mines, like local as in uh, within 20 minutes from us that a lot of people just don't realize that there's so many out here because we're, you know, in the middle of absolutely nowhere for the most part as far as normal people are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's two mines literally that are less than five minutes away from us that, you know, have head frames and all these things and uh so we're excited to see that. But one of the bummer parts was uh there's a mine called the Hillside Mine that's just That one was awesome. I've north seen of us. that one before we got reclaimed and that was a huge, huge mine. Yeah, it was beautiful. So we went down there the other day just to see like what was left and mm -hmm. the I don't know who or what entity made State and Bill M. Yeah. They made the company reclaim it so Freeport had nothing to do with reclamation. They got rid of it, they reclaimed it, they covered everything. Yeah, oh, it was dang. totally separate from Freeport. I didn't say. Oh, the company. Yeah, just what company it was. Yeah, State I don't remember the name. BLM hired some company out of California that does a uh, mine closure and reclamation, and they uh, processed and capped all the tailings piles. And there was an old mill there. There was a yeah. huge head frame, and we're gonna go see what we can find that's left of it. But it's like it was such a huge piece of history, and we're like, 
Well, if they're going to cover up that one, who knows when they're going to start covering up the rest of them, especially yeah. in the area. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely film as many as you can before they ruin them all, because those are my favorite videos, is when you guys go out to the various mines. <laughs> That's Cause awesome. Because I, yeah. I love the history stuff and the mining stuff. That's always cool. Yeah, yeah. The there's a there's a mine called the Comstock Mine, and we actually have to rappel with a rope down into the canyon to get around to like the two addicts that went with it. Yeah, because there's no way to actually physically climb down unless you want to die. The mill site oh, wow. was way up on the top of the yeah. side of a steep hill. And you can still find, like, crucibles that are up there where they were doing the assays and the little assay chunks that are on the side of the hill. So that's really cool. And But actually seeing the workings of anything, you got to take a jump off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Where do I know that from, the Comstock mine? I've heard that before. Uh, I don't know. It might be common for just maybe a name. There's been, I know when you look at Comstock mine, there's a bunch of different Comstock mines. Yeah, some of the uh, data and... Other places. This one was the, actually called the Comstock Dexter Mine that was in Yavapai County. Yeah. Oh, so Comstock was the mining company that owned it. Uh, I don't know. I know I've seen several different mines that were called Comstock that they were owned by companies that were totally different. Oh, really? This, I don't know who owned this one. I don't remember. We have to... We need to do more research, and some of the bummer part is, is if you look at Mindat, which they have a huge volume of all the mines basically that people have cataloged and the state does a great job of doing that but sometimes you look them up and there's like hey here's the name and here's its general location and here's what they were mining and sometimes they don't have actually what it's called which is unfortunate and you do the best you can to figure stuff out yeah well i did find a website for comstock mining they're based out of uh, virginia city nevada yeah I don't know if I remember hearing about it in a movie or a TV show, but I know that name. I know I've heard Comstock Mines before. <laughs> that would definitely be a cool one to check out if you guys have one out there in your area. Yeah, we'll, we're going to continue to do those, and it's just us getting out there and making sure that we do them. We plan on going somewhere this week. Uh, our dad stays off, and... Uh, figuring stuff out the only uh it makes it i guess different now because now we have to carry equipment with us and a phone and and recording stuff instead of just going hiking around we're like all right we got to plan this out which is <laughs> so much more different than just a hike right oh look yeah. at this tree going to rock and and we try to make it as interesting as possible Oh, that's what I was going to ask you guys about this time because Elliot told me about it before. How are you guys make? Have you guys been using the uh, the Black Magic Cinema camera for this stuff? Or are you guys been no, using mostly GoPros? It, just the GoPros. That Black Magic is just it's too big to. Uh, oh, is it? Bring along and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, we could bring it if we wanted to. Uh, just use its local battery, which actually, for how powerful it is, wouldn't last us too long. But we have done a couple like little short films that we're. I mean, not necessarily for the our Project Adventure channel, but for other things. So we're excited about that. I'm just still in the editing process because it's a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I told Ellie, which I was jealous when she told me you guys got a Black Magic camera. I was really thinking about getting one. But the only one that would be useful to me is the newest one, which I don't really care about the 4K. The only reason why I'd want the newest one is because it takes Canon lenses, which I already have a bunch yep. of. 
Um, so that yeah, part that would, would be, be cool. Helpful. But the older ones, they use different lenses, micro four-third lenses or whatever. And then mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with my Hero 7 GoPros and my, my, mirrorless, <laughs> my mirrorless cameras for shooting video. So it's it like, works. When I, yeah, because when I go out to do my Forgotten Piece of Georgia, I shoot the stills with my medium format mirrorless. So I usually use the EOS R or the RP mirrorless camera to shoot the video. Yeah, and those are great. Yeah, and they work great. I get, I mean, I get great quality video out of them. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't shoot any of my stuff in 4K. I just don't really give a crap about 4K. It takes so much processing power to edit the videos, and you need massive amounts of storage, which I do have, but mm -hmm. I don't know. And then one of the photography channels that I've followed for years, Tony and Chelsea Northrop, um, Tony did a video just a few months ago about the fact that 4K basically went bust on YouTube, but they switched all 4K cameras for doing their YouTube channel five years ago, and he thought for sure it was going to take, because he's an IT person like I am, and he thought for sure 4K was going to take off, and it never did. It's like no. five, five years YouTube later, 99% of YouTube is still 1080p. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah we do, uh, do ours in that 2.7K, because you can upload a 2.7 uh, you know, YouTube, but... You gotta think you can even really upload a 4K video to YouTube, and if you can, it would take forever. Oh, we yeah. have only a one megabit upload speed. Yeah, and that's our max. So oh, usually yeah, we're getting sucks. like six, seven hundred kilobits as our oh, upload. Oh yeah, that would suck. So you it guys takes us over 24 hours to upload a video to YouTube. That's how shitty our internet is. Holy crap! You guys must really be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> It's like, I'm so happy because last August, AT&T finally brought gigabyte fiber through my neighborhood. So I pay oh, 60, yeah. 60 bucks a month and I get gigabyte up and down. I love it. Oh, yeah, we're $110 a month for a 10 megabit download and one megabit upload. Oh, that sucks. And they're yeah. the only people that provide internet, so we don't even have a choice. Oh, that would really suck. Yeah, I don't like mm -hmm. any, anytime you can't get a selection of internet providers, that's a bad situation to be in. Yep. yep. It uh, sucks. What are you guys stuck with, DSL? Uh, yeah, it's DSL. They're, well, they were supposed to have fiber done last year, but the power company that owns the power poles would never sign a piece of paper to allow the elect to allow the Internet people to put uh, some of their boxes on the poles. So they've been sitting around waiting for months and months and months to get permission to mount boxes on some of the poles around town. Oh, that and sucks. Have switching boxes, random locations. Yeah. And then they're going to run fiber. I guess they finally started running some fiber last week. Um, but then we don't know whether the fiber is going to go actually inside the house or if it's going to terminate at the wall and then go to copper. Which, if it does, we're screwed again. Which we'll have, if it goes to copper, we'll have a 150 meg upload or 150 megabyte download and like. I think there was going to be 50 upload, and if they do fiber all the way to the inside of the house, I don't awesome. know what it will be. That would be amazing. I have well, a friend <laughs> at work that that's what he specializes in is uh, yeah. the fiber optic stuff. So he's been working with uh, internet people forever to try to get everything done. Yeah, well, the copper is fine. I mean, as long as you have the right kind of setup, because mine's like fiber coming in from the street to my house into my modem is fiber. And then, of course, oh, no. com coming back out and going through my router and my home network is all Cat 6, but that can easily yeah. handle gigabit, so it's no big deal. 
Yeah, he was saying a couple months ago, he was talking about that the internet company might be putting uh, boxes on the outside of the house that then would convert the fiber signal into a uh, just a copper wire, and he's, he was trying to get them to not do that because that's like running into a brick wall. Yeah, that's that would be idiotic to do that. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do exactly when they actually start running everything. Oh, damn. I hope you guys can definitely get some better internet because that would suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely makes YouTubing hard when you when you got that yeah, kind of speed. Oh yeah. Plus, it oh, drops yeah. out all the time. Yeah. Yep. You lose internet connection all the time. Yeah, yeah. Being out where you guys are, I can imagine, because you guys are pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you guys are low priority. So it's like if your internet go down, they're they're like, who cares? It's like what There's five what? five houses in a fifty mile radius. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they can be without internet for a week. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's how they treat it. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely suck. But yeah, like I said, uh, well, I had uh, I had the Hero, or not Hero, I had the DJI Phantom 3 Professional. I just recently got rid of that. Mm-hmm. And um, that did 4K. And just for giggles, you know, I did a few 4K videos of that when I first got it. And it's like, okay, seven minute video in 4K is ridiculous amount of gigabytes. Yes. Yeah. And then they take, like I said, they take forever to edit and upload. It's like, it's not worth the hassle. I'll stick with 1080p or 2.7 or something like that. I'm not going to waste my time with 4K. Yeah. And uh, It just becomes such a pain. Yeah. And I've got so many friends that do photography and video, they're like, oh, 4K, 4K, 4K. And I'm like, why? You yeah. need tons of computing power. You need tons of storage. Over the clients insist on it. It's like, yeah, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand. They don't care. They don't understand that you got to have terabytes and petabytes of storage for all that, all that high quality stuff because mm-hmm. the files are just ridiculously massive. So, like I said, I just set all my cameras to 1080p and I record my videos that way, and that's it. I don't even use the 4K on the heroes. Like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, 100, yeah, 128 gigabyte micro SD card lasts me what seven minutes. <laughs> That's way too much. That's why we do two seven. Yeah, and I don't. You know, I can't tell much the difference between the two seven and four K. I can yeah. tell the difference between the ten eighty and that two point seven. So we just yeah. stays in the middle. Yeah, and the, and the thing I don't understand is like Canon's now pushing eight K video. They're supposed to be releasing the EOS R five if they're still on schedule in July. <laughs> And that's going to be a mirrorless camera that can do 8K video. And I keep telling everybody why the human eye can't perceive anything past 4K anyways. And I don't know what they're going to do for data. So, like, our uh, our Blackmagic 6K, um, we use an external SSD on that. And it's and a terrible. that limits you. You're limited on your data transmission. So, if you're shooting 6K, I think I can only shoot... I want to say it's 30 frames per second mm-hmm. because the drive can't write fast enough, can't keep up. So then if you want the uh, a full 6K and it's full frame rate capability, you have to have one of the CFast cards. Oh, yeah, Those yeah. CFast cards are outrageously expensive. Oh, I know. My 1DX Mark II DSLR that I got rid of when I went to Maryland, that took CFast. Yeah, they're expensive. And my, uh, well, I have, I have two of the Ninja external recorders. I got the, right. uh, I think, I can't remember what one, one of them's, uh, one of the regular ninjas, I can't remember what, it's not the five, it's not that new, but that one takes, one of them takes a, an actual SSD hard drive that you can put in the side of it, 
Um, and then my other one used a CFast because I was like, great, because when I traded in my DSLRs and got my mirrorless medium format, I was like, I'm not giving Adorama my expensive CFast cards. And hey, one of my ninjas yeah. takes them, so I'm keeping them for that. Nice. But well, now what Canon's doing on the R5 is they're actually going with CF Express for the second card slot because that's even faster than CFast. That's the bigger one with the gajillion pins, isn't it? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I've never actually used one, but I know it's what everybody raves about is CF Express because it's so much faster than CFast. I think CF Express can, I can't even remember how many gigabits a second it can do. It's just ridiculous. But they're also not cheap cards either. A good one, yeah. a good one will run you a few hundred bucks. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, that's why I stick to the external drive that's cheap and, yep. you know, I don't need to shoot in 6K and, you know, 80 frames a second. Yeah, that's what it was. I forgot about that. Only the 6K Black Magic takes the uh, the Canon EF mount lenses. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking 4K, but I was wrong. No, the 4K one uses I can't remember micro, what micro four thirds, thirds mount of some kind. Yeah, it's only uh -huh. the 6K one that'll use the Canon lenses, and I'm like, I don't need a 6K model. I just want the convenience of the EF mount. <laughs> yeah, you can get uh, an adapter. There's yeah. a couple people that make an adapter. Yeah, but how well do they work? Because generally, if it's an adapter not made by the company that makes the lenses or the camera body, then they don't perform very well. Yeah, I saw a few videos of somebody said one of them, they liked it. It was a speed booster adapter, and they said it was awesome, but I've never tried one because we just have Canon stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, mine's all Canon, and my my mirrorless, mirrorless, bleh, mirrorless medium format's Fuji. Because they're one of the only companies that make mirrorless medium format, just them and Hasselblad. Hmm. So, but all, my, all the rest of my stuff is Canon, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm waiting for my RF 50mm 1.2L to get here this week. <laughs> yep. I got rid of my drone and some of my older EF glass, traded them all in to get the 50mm 1.2 that I wanted, because I'd already sold my EF one, sold it <laughs> to a local kid. Well, actually, I traded it to a kid, and uh, he traded me, uh, it had a small amount of shutter clicks on it, but he traded me pretty much a brand new EOS RP for my old EF 50mm 1.2L. I was like, yeah, that works. Thousand dollar camera for a thousand dollar lens? Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And I like it because uh, sometimes the EOS RP is just more convenient because it's smaller and a little more compact than the EOS R is. Yeah. Yep. So, what else are you guys using besides that's Canon stuff? You got me intrigued now, Dan. No, that's, <laughs> that's all we have. Yeah. Oh, just the that. Black Magic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we have some Canon lenses that were mine for a little tiny, like crappy Canon camera, but the lenses still... We don't use that on the Blackmagic, though. We use they the... They fit, though. Yeah. We use the cheap Rokinon lenses. Oh, hey. So we can tell. Nothing wrong with the Rokinon lenses. I love some of their stuff. I have the, uh, I have the manual only RF mount 14mm f2.8 that I use for my real estate work. That yeah. Thing, that thing's amazing. Kind of interesting with the cinema stuff that everything for lens wise is manual. Yeah. Yep. And yep. We, uh, and I don't remember what the follow focus is. Oh. Yeah, most okay. all the good cinema lenses are manual though. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, because for big, you know, studio productions and stuff like that, they don't care that the lens is manual because they have a 
what I don't remember what they're called, but they have like a drive system that'll actually focus the lens for them. Yeah, yeah, it's a follow focus, yeah, and the they all have focus the full focus on the lenses. Yeah, when you're doing big cinema stuff, they actually have a guy. Yep. <laughs> the, he does the focus, and another guy runs the camera, and yeah. another person does the audio. Yep, exactly. I think it's kind of crazy. Yep. <laughs> we had a wireless follow focus, but it sucked. I didn't like it, so returned it and got a traditional manual follow focus. It works pretty well. Yeah, oh, okay. I didn't like the wireless one. Yeah. How much yeah. does the follow focus system cost? Uh, the one we put on there was two hundred fifty bucks. Oh, that's um, not too like bad. It. But if you look at some like the other ones, like a bright tangerine, I think they start at like thirteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, just to pull focus. That's a, all manual. It's just gears. There's you know nothing electronic about about those. But it's those, the bright tangerine, I think, is like thirteen hundred bucks. Wow, that's um, crazy. They get outrageous on the cinema stuff. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, we found that out real fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was the the most recent event that Canon had just a few weeks ago. It was, like, was mostly on their cinema stuff, and then they mentioned the R5 at like the last seven minutes of the one-hour video. All the rest of it was all their cinema stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just torturous to watch all the cinema crap just to get to the thing I wanted to see. And But, I mean, they've, yeah. they've got some amazing cinema stuff. Canon's got some of the best cinema stuff in the world. But the yeah. price tags on that stuff is just crazy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, like the new, uh, that video there, that presentation, it was one of the, was a, what I want to call it. It was like a streamed press event because of the whole COVID crap. And um, and uh -huh. I remember the young guy that was talking about their their new, uh, like a C300 Mark III or something like that cinema mm -hmm. camera. Body only. You're going on sale, I think, in the video, he says, you know, next month or something like that for $10,999. No, thank you. And I was like, holy yeah. crap, that's an expensive cinema camera. And yeah, there's just and there's get more expensive from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aries are outrageous. Yep. You know, pretty much any of the red stuff is outrageous. Oh, yeah. Red stuff is super expensive. Yeah, that, that's why we got the Black Magic. Keeps up with all of them. And well, and the Black Magic, they, uh... You know, their Ursa line and the Ursa Mini Pro, and they, they're big and expensive, too. Yeah. Very fast, yeah. Well, the Black Magic stuff's gotten really popular because one of the girls that I trained a few uh, last this past fall, she does some of the real estate work as well, but she primarily does video camera work uh, for movies, mm -hmm. various movies and TV shows that are filmed in, in the Atlanta area. And she's got both red and black magic, but she said she tends to use her black magic cameras way more than her red cameras. Yeah, black wow. magic's got the better software for editing. Yeah, that's what oh, she yeah. said too. Yep. And black magic's pissing off all the red fanboys by coming out with a camera, you know, a quarter of the cost with really you're not giving up much. Yeah, that's what she was saying. The video, you know, the quality of the video is just amazing for a camera that's a heck of a lot less expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I was a little bit leery about it because I've never been a huge fan of Micro Four Thirds, but I mean, I've seen some amazing footage come from from coming from those Black Magic cameras. You can't can't knock that for sure. Yeah, and their software is pretty. It's pretty intuitive. I mean, it's not hard to use, and it it's so powerful. That's what makes it really neat. Now, they, do they charge you separately for the software, or is that included no, when you buy you the can, camera? You can actually get it. Free versions of DaVinci Resolve. Yeah, it's like a 
version ahead, almost like a beta version, so you can kind of get yeah. some bugs out. But the the free version, there's I can't imagine what the free version doesn't have because we have the studio version, and we tried the free version, and I don't even know what the studio version has that we weren't able to use in the free version of it. Probably because we're too new. But. Or, yeah, we're probably way too new to be able to figure out what the heck the uh, $300 studio version has. But when you buy a Blackmagic camera, you get the full-fledged studio version of Resolve as well. And it's not like a monthly subscription. You Once you buy it, like it's yours. You buy it. It's not... Yeah. So that's one thing that also drew us in, that it wasn't one of these, oh, pay per month, and... You may or may not have it, so we won't yeah, that. Yeah, I, I really hate the subscription licensing for all this software nowadays. It ticks me off. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why the only thing I have the subscription is my Photoshop and Lightroom, and I really want to get rid of those because yeah. for my video editing, I just use Final Cut from Apple, and I bought that years ago. And oh, it's a one-time purchase. It's not cheap software. It's like when I, I got it as a student, so I got a discount. And I think there you I, go. I think I still paid like two fifty because mm -hmm. um, the full blown. If you were a non student, the full blown was like four or five hundred back then. I think it's come down since then. But but the nice thing with Final Cut is you bought it one time, and then every time they release a new version, you get the free upgrade from the App Store. Yeah, yeah. And I don't convenient. understand why they had to go get all money hungry and expect people to pay for these. Yeah, just because they want to squeeze as much money out of consumers as they can. That's all it is. Yeah, it's really yeah, sad. Yeah, because I did a Google on DaVinci Resolve, and they even make that for all major operating systems, Mac, Windows, and Linux, which really yeah. is impressive. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people leave out the Linux side of the world, which is sad because oh, it's Linux one of the best operating you can systems. you do all of your own stuff and build it yourself, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Linux, I've always been a huge fan of Linux. I've been a Linux admin for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. Yep, hands down, that and... Mac and Linux are my two favorite operating systems. Mac, I didn't like their OS years ago when it was based on Darwin, but after they bought Steve Jobs' second company and he got back in at Apple, the whole reason why they bought his other company is because they wanted his Unix operating system to build OS X. So they went from an older, like, proprietary Darwin Linux to now Mac OS is just basically Unix with a graphical interface. Yeah. And I love it. It is great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally stay away from Windows. But it really surprised me when I saw that DaVinci is available for Linux as well. I was like, wow, somebody's really up their game there. Yeah. Video editor that works on all software platforms. <laughs> Might have to check this software out for myself. You see, should. See what it does compared to uh, Final Cut. Because I know I don't use all the features in Final Cut, but I really love the software. And I could not, even when I was in college and... You know, I had the whole Creative Cloud suite as part of my tuition. I just could not stand Premiere Pro. I don't like that software at all. I think <clears throat> Adobe makes things way too complicated. Yeah. Yeah, multiple different programs that should all be in combined. Yeah, exactly. But you Plus, know. with the uh, with the Resolve program, actually, you can set it up to mirror different programs that you've already gotten used to using, oh, like where the cool. toolbars are, where the windows are, where all that stuff is, uh -huh. you can map it so that it opens up like that every time for you. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, so a lot of people like it like that because the, you know, the things they can do with it and, or want to continue to still use part of their other program. I don't know why they don't just use one, but that's yeah. not me. <laughs> you guys are definitely going to have me checking this out. I'm going to have to try DaVinci <laughs> and see if I like it.
It looks like it looks a lot nicer than like Premiere Pro is. It looks similar. Some aspects of it look similar to Final Cut. So yeah, and download the free version and just see if you like it. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to give that a try. Resolve 16 and Studio 16. All right. Oh, you got to give them all your details. Yeah, yeah we have a studio. <laughs> Yeah, you still got to give them details and crap, but you don't have to pay for anything. And once you do have the free version, because we had it for se several months, we yeah. had the free version. Oh, Five or six months, yeah. Oh, before you even got the camera. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so just so that we could edit just random things that we had. And then I was like, well, it it's coming with the camera. So that was, you know, easy upgrade. <laughs> yeah, what do they charge you to buy the software separately, though? Two ninety nine if you just buy it on your own. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. So you buy the camera for what twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars, and you get the software. Yeah, the yeah. studio version. That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's on par with about the same pricing that Final Cut is nowadays because I think that's what Apple has Final Cut down to is like two ninety nine. Ah, uh, yeah. I they got know. they got their dumbed out version, which is iMovie, but right, it's way yeah. it's way too dumbed down. Yep, so. that's on my iPhone. That's pretty simple to use. I do yeah. that for self-tapes. I would not do that for any form of editing for YouTube. Yeah, I really. can't find the difference between the free version and the studio version of DaVinci uh, Resolve. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably just going to take you guys time to get used to all the things it can do, and then you'll be like, oh, so this is what studio does that the free version yeah. doesn't do. <laughs> yeah. You'll find it sooner or later, trust me. <laughs> yep. you know, when Hollywood studios are making their complete movies on the thing, there's got to be, a, there's a ton of stuff they can do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you go to their website, I think they're talking about how John Wick 3 was made with Resolve and a bunch of other movie, recent movies were. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because, I mean, if somebody comes out with something really good, you know, that makes things easier for the studios, they jump on it pretty quick, and it yeah. becomes fairly widespread. It's like people don't realize, you know, how many movies and TV shows you watch nowadays where all of the, you know, follow car scenes and stuff like that are all shot with drones and GoPros just because yeah. it's way cheaper than renting a camera truck for $90,000 a day to film those scenes. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then you got the union driver, you got the union camera operator. I mean, it costs you, and just the truck itself was like fifty to $90,000 a day to rent. That's without the union guys operating it. No, thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and studios, you know, now they can go to DJI, they can buy the top-of-the-line Inspire 1 drone. It's like, yeah, it's a four or $5,000 drone, but for the cost of running one camera truck for a day, they can buy 10 of those drones and have them for years. Yeah, on and then it cuts the production movies. cost down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, a lot of people don't realize just how many of those scenes in movies and TV shows, like, you know, car scenes and follow scenes and chase scenes are shot with just GoPros that are mounted on car bumpers and stuff. Yep. Because it's so much cheaper than renting those big expensive camera trucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they don't, you know, they don't do a lot of their aerial shots with regular helicopters now. They just use drones, two guys running an Inspire one, and they get the footage they need. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Save them a lot of money. All right, well, I don't want to keep you guys too long. I know we kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent here, but no we, definitely, we definitely got to talk about some cool stuff, too, and I, I definitely <laughs> hope you guys get more of the mind videos done because those are my all-time favorites that you guys do with the minds because I just love that kind of stuff, all the historical stuff and 
the mining company stuff. Well, my grand my grandfather on my mom's side, he worked for a company called State Aggregates. He was their chief diesel mechanic, and they did strip mining oh, cool. and uh, made gravel and concrete and all kinds mm-hmm. of other stuff. So I've always kind of been into the mining thing too. You yeah, guys are you guys favorite. are lucky enough to be in the perfect part of the country for all of that. Yeah, basically everywhere you turn around, you better hope you don't fall down some hole. <laughs> oh yeah, there's tons of just. Yep. Add it and uh, can't swing a cat without hitting a mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when are you guys gonna come to Atlanta? I don't know. Some point. I've been bugging. maybe I'll get some kind of movie down there. It'd be cool. There you, you go. Do a lot of movies there. Yeah, I've been I've been bugging Ellie to come out here so you guys can hang out. We can all hang out together. That'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do some yeah. shooting and just chill. Yeah. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I got some cool places I can take you guys when if you get a chance to come out here. That'd be neat. Because, I mean, eventually, you know, we will exhaust Arizona and, you know, the surrounding areas. And so traveling to do videos is, you know. Yeah, it's always potential. Yeah, it's the next thing, basically. Yep, exactly. That's like like with my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. I'm going to do the 159 counties in Georgia. And then I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to work it out financially yet, but... I'd like to eventually go back to my home state of Pennsylvania and shoot all the counties up there, too. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, because I know of a lot of cool stuff in my home state. Awesome. You should do it, dude. Yeah. It's a matter of having the time to go up there and shoot all... I think we only got 58 counties up there versus 159 down here, but... Man. Pennsylvania's (laughs) still a huge state, and it's like, okay... You know, I got to be able to work, and unfortunately, my real estate work, the only part of Pennsylvania they do real estate photography in is Pittsburgh, so that's not a lot of help. So, I got to figure out, I keep, I wanted to stay retired from IT, but I'm kind of hoping to find another work from home all the time job, which is what I had the last five or six years. Yeah. Um, Preferably on second or third shift, so I can do my real estate work during the day, and then if I snag another gig like that, then yeah, I could go back to Pennsylvania, stay with family for six months, travel the state, shoot all that stuff, and still work nights or weekends and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be a way to bankroll it all. <laughs> Either that, or you guys got to find me some gold in that McCracken mine. That's right. <laughs> Snatch that stuff out of there and ship it to you. Yeah, that's right. Get us, get us rich so we can just do what we want the rest of our lives and not have to work jobs. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. All well, right. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, we ran an hour and 43, so it's not too bad. I'm going to keep it as one episode. I thought about splitting it out if we did two hours, but I've actually done two-hour episodes with other people, and they ended up being super popular. So Awesome. Yeah, so my, my listeners don't seem to shy away from longer episodes, so which is always good. <laughs> And I appreciate cool. you joining us this time, Dan. That was amazing. Oh, bef- before you guys go, though, Ellie, what yeah. what new stuff do you have coming up on your side of the... I know probably a lot of the film stuff is on hold because of the virus, but I just thought I'd ask you well, real actually, quick while I got you. The film stuff is um, it's coming up uh, pretty cool, actually. the I just worked yesterday on a little film, an uh, indie film called Counting Bullets, and it's a Western, and then I have... Um, Another film that we're going to shoot in about a week or two. I get to play a thug, but the film's called Loaded Monday. Oh, cool. And then uh, there's another film that has still a working title, but I hopefully have the role, the lead role in it. Uh, they said that I'm hired for the part, and so oh, cool. I'm assuming it was the part I auditioned for. But that won't, I won't go see them in person until the middle or end of June, 
And then another movie that I for sure have the lead role in is called The New Frontier. And it's kind of a unconventional Western, but it'll all be shot in black and white. Oh, and so wow. that'll be neat. Cool. And so those are these are projects I have coming up that are exciting and, and should be, you know, extremely fulfilling. They'll definitely fill up the rest of the year for, for filming, so that'll be awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. Keep you busy and get that career going more and more all the time. That's right. Get my butt out to somewhere. I want to go to one of the bigger places like Atlanta or L.A. or something like that. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I think it's awesome that Dan support that you support her in all this work, Dan. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you don't meet people like that very often that are totally cool with the work she does. And I think it's fantastic that you're that, you're that kind of person that supports her 100%. That's great. Yeah, I usually try to be there. I, I work a weird schedule, so I'm not always able to actually go. Yeah, yep. I can understand that. Yeah, like Sunday was my Friday. Ah, okay. So today's Saturday to me. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know I've been on those kind of weird schedules, especially doing IT work, believe me. Mm -hmm. Some really crazy schedules over the years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you guys go. We'll go ahead and wrap up. I want to thank you again for joining me. And Dan, you're always welcome to come back on with her next time she comes on the show. All right. Cool. Yeah, we won't leave you out. We love talking with you. Yeah, you guys are great. Thanks again. See you later. Thanks. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. So that wraps up episode 73 of the Liam Photography Podcast. It was a little bit of a more of a different episode than what I normally do, but it's always great to talk to Ellie, and it was even more awesome to talk to her partner in adventure, Dan. And I think it's going to make for a great episode. It'll be fun and interesting to listen to. I want to thank all of my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes and anywhere else that you might be listening to the show. And also remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, um, but you can join by answering one question, and that is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam or Liam Douglas. And I did also open it up so you can give the name of any of the guests that have been on the show in the last year or so, which of course now includes not only Ellie Cat, but her partner in Adventure Dan as well. Uh, and of course, Ruben Naha, Jill Mott, Jeff Harmon for the Master of Photography and Photo Taco podcast, and John Harvell, who is a fantastic off-camera flash photographer. I also wanted to remind you again that you can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with any questions, comments, suggestions for an upcoming episode or interview or topic that you would like to be covered. And you can also email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. All right, we are going to close this one out, and I will see you all again in another seven days for episode 74.